Man, isn't God good? I'm glad we have his word tonight. Uh, I'm glad that it's still true. Uh, and I'm thankful that we've got a Bible in our hands, in our language, uh, that's relevant for, for today, even when we go into the Old Testament. So thankful for that. But Psalm 30, uh, we're going to read the whole, ver- or the whole psalm, but we're not going to go over the whole thing. But I just want to read it. Uh, it says this, Psalm 30, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by thy favor, thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. Thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. Uh, I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I shall go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be my thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for its truth. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be able to preach. Lord, use me. Fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, help us all to hear what your word says. Teach us tonight. And Lord, help us to apply it to our life. Lord, we love you. and We thank you for all things. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. So at the beginning of the psalm, uh, your Bible may say it or, or may not, but in uh, one that I have, it says this is a psalm and song at the dedication of the house of David. And you can look uh, in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel chapter 5, it briefly talks about when Hiram, king of Tyre, sent cedar trees and carpenters and masons to help uh, David to build a house or really a palace. Uh, and in 2 Samuel 5, 12, uh, it says this after it was done and David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. So really it was at that point when uh, David realized that the Lord had really established his kingdom. See he knew that God had called him to be a king uh, many uh, a long time before and in fact it was uh, it, it was really in 1068 BC that David uh, was anointed king by Samuel. Remember, uh, it goes down through all the brothers. They get to the end and Samuel says, it's none of these. And they say, oh, but there's one. Uh, The youngest is out in the field. They go fetch David and he is the one anointed to be king. Uh, But really, it it wasn't until uh, 12 years later uh, uh, that he actually became king. And and during that, that's when Saul died. And remember, he no longer had to run anymore. uh, But it wasn't for another uh, eight years after that that finally he has become king over Israel and Judah his enemies were at peace Uh, the palace was built so you think about 20 years after he was anointed by Samuel and he had really already truly been king for eight years about eight years at that point and he, he didn't feel like God had really established his kingdom yet it wasn't until the palace was built that he realized that God had finally fulfilled the promise to him 
him. So if you think about that, that's really the setting the stage of this psalm is David's saying, hey, I have finally, God has finally established me as king. And then I started looking at the psalm and you realize it. He's not talking about the palace at all, right? Even though it was at the, on the day when the palace was completed, this psalm, God gave him this psalm and look at it. He's not talking about, look at how amazing the building is. He's not saying, look at the great carpentry work. Look at the amazing cedar uh, from Lebanon and everything else. He doesn't say any of that because some kings would have, wouldn't he? Some kings would have said, look at what I've built. Look at this grand palace. Look at my home. Uh, but David saw it as different. David saw this, uh, this palace as a fulfillment of God's promises. That saying, hey, when he said he would establish him as king, he would establish him and it would be without a doubt. And David is really starting to see that. And that's how this psalm flows out from him. He starts out in verse one, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. So he's rejoicing from the date of his anointing to that day. He had faced many enemies. You know, in fact, really close to after he was anointed, that is when he faced Goliath. It was right after that. He wasn't king yet, but he faced a giant enemy. And then uh, later on, when he's uh, under Saul's command, remember, he has to flee from Saul. Saul wants to kill him. He goes to, I look back through it. He goes to Ramah, then to Ahimelech. Then he goes to the cave of Adullam. Uh, then him and his mighty men to go to Moab. Then Kaliah, then Ziph. And that the Ziphites betrayed him. Then he goes to the wilderness of Maon. And then he goes to Engedi. Then he goes to Gath. And remember at Gath, uh, that, that is uh, a Goliath's hometown and he's escaping to the Philistine king and then realize I shouldn't have done that because I've got Goliath's sword with me. So he acts like he's crazy. And remember the drool, he's coming down off of his beard. Uh, so he escapes acting like he's crazy. Uh, and then he goes to Ziklag after that, uh, Ziklag. And then they're invaded by the Amalekites. Remember, they, they burn the city. They take all the women and they're about to stone David. But David instead goes to the Lord and the Lord says, you go get it all back. And he does. And it says, David recovered all. Uh, he got it all, everything back. The enemy had stolen from him. And that's a great spiritual lesson right there. But finally, Saul dies. He is on the run from Saul for nine years. Remember, he had already been anointed king, yet he's got to be on the run for his life. Then he's made king in Hebron. And see, uh, if you stop and think about this with David being alive all of this time, you know, uh, uh, he could have said, well, it was because of my strategy or because I was sneakier than Saul's men or maybe just luck or something like that. But David knew it was none of those things. It wasn't luck or strategy or anything else that caused him from being uh, to survive all of this time. It was because of this. Look what he says. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up. And it's not made my foes to rejoice over me. You know what he's saying? It's because of the Lord that I'm here today. It's because of the Lord that they could even build me a palace that I wouldn't be dead yet. I never even should have gotten the crown at the beginning if it were up to me. Uh, because the enemy was uh, after me uh, all those years. And he says, listen, the Lord kept my foes from rejoicing. I'll tell you what, if one of us were to stumble flat on our face and, and humiliate ourselves and, and ruin our 
testimony and everything else, you better believe there are people that would have said, I knew it. I've told you they were no good. We have enemies. Why? Not because of who we are. We have enemies because of Jesus Christ and what he stands for. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad that the Lord watches over us, lifts us up. I'm glad he keeps us from doing some dumb things from time to time so that our enemies can't rejoice over him. That's what he's saying right there. You have lifted me up, O Lord. Verse 2. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. In those nine years on the run, we don't have a whole lot of details. We know he goes from place to place, uh, but we don't always get details of what happens in those places. But no doubt, if you're on the run, if you're in hiding, you're hiding in caves or you're hiding in deserts, you can't just go to the hospital like we can today. You can't just uh, go into the town and say, hey, David here, uh, you know, uh, why don't you help me out? Because someone could then tell Saul where he's at. So in those times when he couldn't call on anybody else, he cries out to the Lord. And he says, the Lord healed me over and over again. Aren't you glad we serve a prayer answering God? We serve a God that is a healer. He is a provider and he makes a way where there is no way. That's what he's saying right there. When I cried out to you, you heard me and you helped me, Lord. Verse three, O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. And you think about that. Darrow, David had so many narrow escapes. He had near-death experiences. He had times when he fought against the bear and the lion as a teenage shepherd boy. And, and, and those dangers continued as he became a soldier and as he was running. But the Lord kept him alive. The Lord kept him alive even when those times like a said when it was near death why because God had made a promise to David and David uh, and he was going to make him king and if David would have died before the promise was fulfilled God would have been a liar and guess what he's not a liar and he can see the future and it doesn't matter how many near death or how many close calls David he kept David alive long enough that he could see not only becoming king but David is saying I can see the palace being built and uh, and he and here's the greatest thing is every time you think about the palace David's redirecting you and said hey every time you look at that I want you to think about the God that allowed me to get here and that's a good thing to do isn't it to say hey whenever God blesses us with something we need to look at and say hey the only reason that's even here is because of God that's the reminder and we can thank him for that today but not only that when I look at this verse today it means a little more to me than what David was saying back then you know David's mentioning the pit which in the Old Testament's talking about the grave uh, you know and but as a child of God today that are saved by Jesus Christ when I when we read this verse I think about something different don't you uh, oh Lord thou hast brought up my soul from the grave thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit and I think about how you and I our souls were headed to heaven right we were headed there we were dead in our trespasses and sins and if we would have closed our eyes in death that way we would have opened them up in hell just like the rich man but aren't you glad that God saw fit to send the gospel to us to send someone our way the Holy Spirit touched our heart we felt the conviction we took that truth and we applied some faith and realized that we didn't want to live the same old life anymore and we traded in uh, we came to him as a wicked sinner called on Jesus' name 
shame for forgiveness of sins, trusting in what he did on the cross, uh, dying for our sins, buried, rose on the third day according to the scriptures. Uh, and we called on his name and said, Lord, uh, I don't understand it all, but I know I'm a sinner and I know you said you'd forgive me if I trusted in you. I remember that day, don't you? When he turned our old dead sin-filled soul into a new creature, right? He, he forgave our sins. And like we said the other night, uh, he put his righteousness on our account as well. Praise God for that. He brought us up from out of the grave and has kept us alive. I'm glad he kept us alive long enough to see salvation. Praise the Lord. As we keep going, verse four and five, singing to the Lord, O you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness for his anger endureth uh, but a moment in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And you see at the end of verse four, it talks about remembering his holiness. Our Lord's a holy God. He's not an evil God. He doesn't sin. He doesn't change his mind. He has perfect. He gives perfect justice. He is holy. And because of that, we can trust him, right? He's not shifty. He's not like the car salesman or anything else. We, uh, and here's the thing. We can't trust this world. Right? Why? Because this world's not holy. This world is evil and perverted and seeking how they can take advantage of us and others. But our God is the opposite. He's a loving God and a holy God. And his holiness demanded the sacrifice for our sins. And aren't you glad Jesus Christ did? Uh, he fulfilled that. He took our punishment. Uh, and that way we could call on his name. And then uh, uh, with that, with salvation in mind, for his anger endureth. But a moment, aren't you glad? You think about all of eternity and you think of how short our life is. It's just a little vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. And you think about as a Christian, not our entire life, but the part before uh, we were saved. That's just a brief moment in the eyes of God. And we were his enemy. We were against God. But aren't you glad in that moment when we asked Jesus to forgive us, that anger was turned into favor and mercy and forgiveness and everything else. Praise God. He's a merciful God and we can call on his name. I'm glad 1 John 1, 9 is in the Bible. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And aren't you glad that that forgiveness is available anytime? You know, in the Old Testament, they had to wait once a year for the Day of Atonement, right? Just to get a covering for sin. And they can they had to wait until that date. And if you, uh, if you committed a grievous sin the day after, you had to wait 364 more days uh, until it happened. But aren't you glad that forgiveness is open to us any time of the year, any time of day? If we would just humble ourselves and come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness of sins, if we would just confess and ask Him to cleanse us again, Again, he will. And that should cause us to sing. That's what he's saying. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his. Give thanks. Why? Because he's holy. He's merciful and everything else. Oh, but I like the end of verse five. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. I don't know about you. I, I've spilled some tears at night, haven't you? There's been some things that have troubled me from time to time. I know that's true for all of us. But aren't you glad all it takes is just a little bit of time to pass and the Lord uh, can take care of things. He can bring joy in the morning. And I, I think about our whole life. There's one day where you and I are going to see our last sunset out here, right? The sun is setting. One day we're going to see the last sunset in this 
this old sin-filled world and then we're going to get to glory and guess what? We're not going to see the light of the sun. We're going to see the light of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Praise God. We get to worship Him. Joy cometh in the morning. I'll tell you what, even our best day down here will never compare to the day, the first day in eternity we get to spend with Jesus Christ. Praise God. But I'm going to skip down to 11. It kind of fits in with there with verse 5. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. He is saying, hey, David's reminding all of them. Man, it looks like it looks like a great day today. There's dancing. There's praising. But don't you forget that we've had days of mourning in the past, right? We've had days uh, of sackcloth and, and grieving and everything else. But aren't you glad those times of trial are temporary see he's remembering where God has brought him from and where brought God has brought him through but aren't you glad that those things are only temporary there's a brighter day coming that's one of the reasons why I was uh, working on memorizing Revelation 21 because I'm thinking about what John saw so many years ago it's really what we're going to see so many years however many years ahead we're going to see the same thing and I'm telling you uh, the Lord has brought us through things but brighter days are coming Praise God, full of gladness and everything else. So we can see his mercy in everything. I'm going to skip back to verse 10. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. And I thought about this. David, again, has been throughout this psalm. He's been recounting his life up to this point, up to the day of the palace being built. And you think about if there's ever a day where he wouldn't need help from God, it would have been this day, right? He's got the palace. He's got the peace. He's got the crown. He's got uh, those around him helping him. He's got uh, even uh, different nations is building this palace for him. And you think about all these things. If there was ever a day he wouldn't have had to say it, it would have been this day. But it's on this day he's saying, he's really praying right here. He's saying, hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be thou my helper. I believe he was reminding himself and everyone else that on every single day, we need the help of the Lord. And especially on our greatest days, especially on days of victory, uh, especially on days where the uh, spiritual mountains have been moved, uh, chains have fallen off and different things have happened. When we get answered prayers, when the palace is finished, when God's promises are fulfilled, even when there's peace and prosperity and everything else, we've got to remind ourselves. And that's really what he's doing. If he's praying it to the Lord, he's also reminding himself, Lord, I need you as my helper today. Just like in the days when I was in the cave, just like when I was on the run, just like when I was facing Goliath across the valley. Lord, I need you to be my helper. And what a prayer it is he was thinking about. And I'll tell you what, I like to be honest with you guys as much as I can. I like to be honest because I, I know I've, there, I've ran into people where it almost seems like they're a super Christian because they never share any struggles or faults or anything like that. And I, I know some pastors that do that, but I don't, I don't want to do that same thing. Why? Because I think it would just lead to me getting prideful. And then you wouldn't think of uh, me as being able to teach you anything if I can't share some of my struggles too. But I realized recently I needed to work on my prayer life. It was getting stale. 
It was getting to the point I was wondering, Lord, is the Lord even listening? And then I was asking myself, am I really saying things really that are worthy of listening? I felt like I was getting in the same routines, going through some of the same, uh, repeating the same things. And then those days where I thought I was really deep in prayer, I'd look up and and it only a few minutes had passed. And I'm just being honest with you. You know, at, at times in my life, prayer wasn't like this, but it had gotten in this way. And I knew, I said, Lord, I know that I have preached over and over again that the biggest things uh, with spiritual victory, the biggest way to get things done in our lives and, and the best way to grow and everything else is to be in your word and to pray. And I can't keep going like this. You know what happens when you just pour out to God and you ask him for help? You know what he does? He'll send help. But now here's what he does. I don't know if he does this in your life. Because sometimes he'll send the answer and I don't know if I ignore it or if I'm waiting for a different answer or something else, but he sends the answer, right? He sends something uh, and uh, I was saying, hey, I need help with prayer. And here's the problem. When your prayer life's in trouble, you got to pray for help to the prayer life and it gets even harder. But I was thinking about James 4, 2. You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. And James is saying you do all these things, all these actions and everything else to try to make up for the prayer life that's lacking. It's not going to work. So as I'm asking, over several weeks, he keeps sending me kind of the same thing. He's saying, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do this over and over again. And then finally... It clicked. Now, I I don't think I've ever recommended a book other than the Bible from the pulpit. But he sent this book, and really it was the same thing that he'd been telling me seven other ways. But then the book, I was like, okay. I looked at the front, and it says praying the Bible. And I forgot. uh, It had been months and months and months ago. There was this free offer for the church, and I just filled it out and forgot about it. Well, finally, they all came in, and I thought, well... I will never hand out something that I haven't read first. And I said, you know what? I'm going to read it. And I read it. It's not very big. You know what God was showing me as I was reading that book? That book was saying, hey, you want to know how to help your prayer life? You take this Bible. And he was saying a good thing to do is to take a psalm. And you look at the first, you read through the psalm and then take the first verse and start praying about it. Use that to pray. And I thought, no, it can't be that easy. And then as I'm reading the book, he basically says, now stop and try it. Quit reading. And then I stopped and tried. You know what? I looked over. I looked over right from where I was sitting. And Brooke had given me this Bible. I think it's been a couple years ago. And I'm looking right over there at a Bible I can reach. And it says, pray the scriptures Bible. I was like, well, all right. I should have gotten it already. I should have realized already. But you know what he said? He said, start praying in Psalms. And he said, go what day is it? Take the number. And yesterday is the 30th. And I was going through and I get Psalm 30, this one right here. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start reading it. I will exalt thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. See, we can talk about David, but now it forced me to look at myself. How many times has he lifted me up? And then I could start praying about that. Lord, thank you for lifting me up. And even give examples and say, Lord, you lifted me up from this. Lord, I didn't think I'd make it from this, but you lifted me up. You've kept me from stumbling. 
Verse 2, O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. You know, not uh, haven't had real physical things like that, but I thought, you know what? You hear my prayer. And even if it doesn't exactly, basically with the book saying, hey, even if it doesn't exactly pertain, just use part of it. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave and hast kept me alive. We've already talked about salvation, but you just go down through and just getting to different things. And then by the time I got down to hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me, Lord, be thou my helper. I was thinking, I need you, Lord. I needed you, Lord. And I asked for help and you sent help. You did. And then finally, let's get to the end. To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. You just start thanking God. And the prayers that had become a struggle, I looked up and it was over a half hour. Pouring through this psalm right here, thanking God over and over again, but also praying for things because you can you can mix in your prayer requests inside these verses. And that's what the Lord helped me with. And I thought, my goodness, it felt just like when I would read a proverb for the day. There were verses, usually a couple verses in that proverb, at least one or two or three that would stand out for that day. And I'd say, Lord, thank you for that. And then as I was praying for that day, there were things that stood out that I, I knew I was going to pray about and fit right in. His word is alive. And God is true. So if you struggle like prayer with I had been, we've got a whole bunch of these back there. But you don't have to read it. I already gave you the secret. It doesn't take that long to read and he helps you through it. But really it's you take the psalm and start praying. And he says once you go through the psalms a handful of times, start going through the whole Bible. And you can pray through the whole thing. He said, now parts of it are really tricky and some you have to take a bigger story and kind of put the meaning of the story together. But he said, it works. And I thought, God, what a blessing. But isn't it interesting that the book that I recommend turns you right back to this one. Literally, he says, stop reading at a certain point. Once he's explained how to do it, he says, now put this down. Don't read it. Stop reading till you're done and then come back. And then basically it's, now what did it feel like? How'd that help you? And then that's about the book. That's it. And I thought, thank you, Lord. Because he told me multiple times what to do. I don't know. Guess I was stubborn. I don't know. And then finally this one, and I'm staring right at the cover that says praying the Bible. And I said, okay, Lord. All right. You win. I give in. But isn't that how God works? He loves us. He loves us. All right, let's, let's uh, open up the altar tonight.